of y'all have ever heard the uh, saying, proof is in the pudding? Anybody heard that? The proof's in the pudding. What's your favorite pudding? Help me out, man. Anybody? Barb, I, Barb, I saw your hand go up, man. What's your favorite pudding? Chocolate? All right, good. Any chocolate pudding? Yeah, how about you, man? Brad? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yours? Tapioca? Is that yours? Chocolate. Okay, all right. Yeah, you married opposites. I got You ever make chocolate tapioca? Tap, tap, tapioca, you know. Uh, Brad, what's your favorite pudding? Bread pudding. Ah, bread pudding. All right. Who else? Uh, Sue? Oh, it's got to be made with some love and care. Okay, all right. That's good. Uh, yeah. I was waiting for a banana, some nanner pudding. Yeah, nanner pudding. It's like, if, you ain't never, if you're from up north and you ain't never had nanner pudding, man, with the vanilla wafers in it, dude, you got to have some of that, right? So anyways, we all got favorite puddings, all right? And, but that's, it kind of confused me. I, would, I remember that saying, well, the proof is in the pudding. So I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, it's not a dangerous thing or anything. It's like, well, so it, it, different tastes, okay? Well, does this one taste good or does this? It's like a pudding-making contest. I never really understood. And as I was studying for this second chapter of, of, of uh, Romans where we're at, and, and the, little, in the second part of it, um, man, God just kept putting the proofs in the pudding, the proofs in the pudding, the proofs in the pudding. And I didn't really kind of get, like, why are you showing me this, God? And I start looking up the different, I, I started looking up and tracing back where that saying came from. You know what mine and, and Tom's favorite pudding is? You know what our favorite pudding is? Kielbasa. You know? I got any Cajuns here that your favorite pudding's andouille? You know? Anybody like smoke? Georgia, hot, smo- hot Georgia smoke pudding. Anybody? No, kielbasa. So I go back. And I started looking up what this pudding is, and it goes back to the Middle Ages, all right? Back when there was no refrigeration, there was no, you know, not a lot of sanitation. You know, if you went to the doctor, they stuck leeches on you, or they sawed your leg off one or two, or, you know, something like that. But anyways, back in the Middle Ages, pudding was a sausage. <laughs> it was, that's what pudding, with that, this saying goes back to uh, the proofs in the sausage, all right, if you will. So they would take chunks of meat. And they would put meat. Yeah, how many of y'all ever make sausage? Anybody make sausage? How many of y'all like sausage, right? Yeah. And, and, and so, man, you put meat, you put a certain percentage of fat in there, you put some seasoning and spices and herbs. Some people put nuts and, you know, different things, and you stuff it all. How many of y'all know what's, what, what you stuff that sausage into? A, a sausage case, and what is that? intestines yes so when i go to la perla and i order tripa tacos extra crunchy some of you are like "Ooh, you're eating intestines you're eating intestines too you're just eating stuffed intestines or or they're fake intestines that y'all are eating in your hot dogs and all that but i'm just saying they take it and they would actually even some of them would take it and they would stuff the stomach full and make a big round sausage like that and that's kind of how lunch meat got started, <laughs> you know, cold cuts and all of that. But they would pack it all in and different people had their recipes. Now, you can imagine there's scrupulous people and there's unscrupulous people, right, Chris? So here's a scrupulous guy. He's over here with limited resources and, 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 and he's got meat and some of the meat is questionable. <laughs> if you're scrupulous, what do you do with the meat that is questionable? You throw it away, man. You feed it to animals. But man, in a, in a day where we didn't have the luxury and we didn't have everything we got have today, 
and the dude needed to make some money. What do you think the unscrupulous pudding maker did with his meat that was questionable? He stuffed it in there. And when, in fact, the unscrupulous dude, if he had meat that wasn't even unquestionable, it wasn't questionable, dude, there was no question at all. It was rotten. Uh, what, what do you think he did with this guy? Oh, yeah, slid it in there. In fact, he even gave it a fancy name and, you know, and, and said, ooh, I have this specially fermented meat that goes in this sausage. And they, and they talked through marketing, talked everybody into buying it. But anyway, so the idea is this, that when somebody went to market or they went to go buy sausage, they were wondering, is this good sausage or is this bad sausage? Is this good pudding or is this bad pudding? And anybody ever here ever eat some bad pudding? I'm talking bad sausage. I'm talking like with rotten meat in there without refrigeration. All that. I mean, that's why they have a lot of preservatives and salt and they pack all that. But man, this is a life or death situation, you know? And so you walk up there and here's two, you know, uh, things of sausages, Sean. Which one do you get? Dude, they have so overflavored. I mean, if they can put spice on a dead body to not make it smell with myrrh, they can cover up rotten meat, right? And so what happens when you eat bad sausage? What? I mean, yeah, don't go through all the details. <laughs> I'm just saying, I don't want a medical. I didn't ask a nurse, all right? But, you know, they could get, yeah, this grows, this grows. But, dude, you can literally die from eating. All right, how about this? Bad medieval sausage. <laughs> what do you, now, how many of y'all would love to go to lunch and get some bad medieval sausage? <laughs> yeah, it's got, but, I mean, and so, again, it was a chance they were taking. And they would go up and they would be like, oh, is this good or is this good? Is this good? One of them's going to kill you and one of them's going to sustain you. That's what this is talking about. Can you imagine if when we go to the grocery store, some of y'all are scared to go to Walmart and you treat it that way, man. But I'm just saying, uh, Emily, the other day, she was like, you're not going to touch my taco. And we started talking about, don't ever watch anybody fix your food. <laughs> How many of y'all are cooks and you lick the spoon without people looking? None of y'all. Oh, you big liars. <laughs> How do you know if it's any good or not, man? Oh, you stick your finger in there. I got it. No, but yeah. So, so again, man, it's like, here it is. You've got a choice of pudding, sausage. And, and, and I'm going to either get this or I'm going to get this. And, and it's like, if I make the wrong choice, I'm going to die. Or I'm going to feel like I'm going to die. <laughs> but in those days, I think you actually literally died if you made the wrong choice. You make the right choice, you live, and you're sustained to live another day. And that's what he's talking about to us today in the book of Romans, in chapter 2. But before we actually get there, we need to cover the entire chapter 20 of Revelation. Just so you kind of understand, and there's some good, exciting stuff for those of, how many of y'all have, so, so here it is, it, it, I'll just get, throw it at you right now, uh, in, in the beginning of this, you are either trusting your eternity to what you have done, which is the bad sausage maker, and if you're trusting your eternity to what you have done, what's going to happen at the end when you have to eat the sausage? You're going to die. Or you are trusting what Christ has done for your salvation and when you eat that sausage, what's going to happen? Dude, it's going to be the best sausage you ever had. And it's going to be eternal sausage. And it can always be trusted. And so the proof's in the pudding. And that's what he's going to show us in all of this at the end. You're either trusting your eternity, what you have done, 
or what Christ has done. There's only two choices. And when it comes down, there's only two kinds of people in the world. Those who have trusted their eternity, what you have done, or what Christ has done. And what you have done is includes trusting a religion, trusting a pastor, trusting a denomination, trusting a system, trusting yourself, trusting anything except for Christ. But I'm telling you, the proof's in the pudding. You eat the wrong sausage, you're going to what? You're going to die. It's as simple as that. That's why I was so excited about this, this, uh, this last funeral. I was so excited about the one with your mom and dad, Chuck, because... Man, your parents raised you in an environment and taught you how to pick the right sausage, didn't they? <laughs> Dude, yeah, they taught you this is the right sausage. This is the one that's going to give you eternal life. This is the one that's going to work. Man, and I was excited about yesterday's funeral because at the end of their life, after eating a bunch of bad sausage, their whole entire life, both the mom and the son, before they were done, they ate the right sausage, and now they've got the right one for eternity. If you think I'm making light of sausage or call it, I just want you to just remember. I just want you to be able to remember. That's why I give you this illustration. So you're either trusting your eternity, what you have done, or what Christ has done in this. And that's what it comes down to. So what sausage maker are you trusting? You know? And the only one you can count on is who? It's Christ. So check this out. We're going to have to look. Here, here's some good news. Just so you don't get the whole end of Revelation 20 out of context, I, I, God wanted me to just start right at verse 1. And for those of us that are, are we know that we picked the right sausage maker. <laughs> You've already been eating some of the sausage, man. How many of y'all have been eating some of God's sausage? You know what I'm saying? We've been eating. We've been enjoying the sausage of God when we're walking in the Spirit. You know, Barb, you just had some good news. You, Man, trusting God through it and it was like you shared how God has changed your life man that's what happens when you eat the good sausage when you eat the bad sausage you're rolling around and say oh I can't believe they ate the whole thing and you know Alka-Seltzer don't even help you're sick you got food poisoning and the world's running around with food poisoning right now man go out there be a sausage vendor kielbasa man <laughs> there you go there's your Halloween costume kielbasa man and <laughs> kielbasa for Christ all right but anyways so <laughs> hey somebody take that minute scott would you love to have a ministry involved with food oh my goodness you love cooking just like me yeah 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 exactly you got to come over and see my redneck kitchen now outside in the backyard but anyways yeah it's cool my wife said it's interesting decorations on the back porch now that i have big kamals and walks and stuff hanging but dude they sound just like wind chimes when the wind blows no <laughs> anyways look at chapter 20 of revelation starting in verse 1 this is good news for us that have chosen the right sausage maker and it's gonna it's gonna kind of lead to exactly what i've just said and then it's gonna make the few verses in romans that we look at make all the sense in the world <clears throat> so again the whole purpose of this is to say you've either chosen christ that you're dependent on for eternity or you've chosen yourself which is anything else so here it is uh, the very first verse says, Then, John says, I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. So let me put you in perspective of where we're at. The next great event in our spiritual calendar. What are y'all waiting for next? Jesus to come back. How many of y'all believe he's coming back? If you believe his word, you believe he's coming back. Because he said all over the place, I'm coming back, I'm coming back. And, and in fact, in Peter, 
they even challenged him at that day and said, yeah, nothing's happened, man. He said, y'all say he's coming back. Nothing's changed. He said, oh, yeah, you forgot in just a matter of moments he destroyed the earth with a flood. He ain't doing it that way this time. You, the world knows about global warming, right? <laughs> There's going to be real global warming when you read 2 Peter chapter 3. He's going to melt the earth. It's gone. And you'll see that today in this part here. It's all going to be gone. He says, man, while there's time, get right with him. This is what is going to happen in all of this. And so the next thing we're waiting on is we're waiting on Christ to come back. It's not the second coming of Christ. In fact, he's actually going to meet us in the air is what it says in Thessalonians. And it's called a rapture. And in the Greek Septuagint, there's the, they use the word rapture. People, oh, there's no rapture. Bottom line is Christ is coming back for us. In John 14, he said, if it wasn't so, I'd tell you. And he's not a liar. He's coming back. And we're going to meet him in the air, and we're going to heaven. If you have Christ, you're going to heaven. And what are we going to be doing for seven years? Or if you're a mid-trib, what are you going to be doing for three and a half years? What are we doing? Up in heaven, what are we going to do? Dude, it's a wedding. Yes, the most awesome wedding. And who's the bride? Everybody pick your thumb up and say, I am. Who's the bride? Yeah, you're the bride. And Christ is the groom. And for seven years, I believe, we are going to be up there in the most wonderful time anyone has ever experienced in formalizing this marriage to Christ. And that's us who is the church. During that seven years on the earth, it's called the Great Tribulation Period. And what happens in that is the Antichrist, who is powered by Satan, he comes, and uh, uh, I believe that since Satan is not omniscient, he's not omnipotent, he's not omnipresent, he's not even close to God, we're going to see. Because he doesn't know, he's always got an Antichrist on hand. He doesn't know when Christ is coming back. So as soon as Christ comes back to get his saints, he's got to have an Antichrist ready to roll. And there's going to be a system. There's going to be a new world system run by the Antichrist who's powered by Satan. He's also, so he's going to be kind of like the new God. There's going to be, a, 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 well, well he's, he's going to have a false prophet. He's going to have like a Holy Spirit. Anyways, he's going to have a whole thing right there of supernatural stuff going on. Maybe for three and a half years, there's going to be peace on the earth because we hear about that. He comes in and, and somehow can create peace on the earth. There's a white horse. Go in Revelation chapter 6. It starts with a white horse. And him who sat on it had a bow. A bow. But what didn't he have, those of you who've been in the study with me? He didn't have any arrows. He had no arrows. He didn't need any arrows because the whole world's so gullible. The whole world's looking for some charismatic leader to give them peace, and they'll surrender and bow down to whoever, to whatever, as long as they get their needs met. And so the Antichrist takes over without a fight because it's also God's plan that it's going to happen. And his people are removed. The people left on earth now come under the control of the Antichrist, and it's a peace. He has a, he has a white horse. It's a false peace because the very next horse is what color, y'all? Anybody? It's red. Because there's, there's, there's war. And then there's worldwide famine, which is caused always by war. This is worldwide now, kind of like COVID. That's the first thing that ever hit the whole world and was the whole worldwide, right? That's no accident. I think it's a dry run. And again, make me a tinfoil hat. I don't care. I'm telling you what Scripture says right now is that this is going to be worldwide. There is going to be a worldwide peace. And everybody's going to say, whoa, this is awesome. Now, the, man, and all of a sudden, there's going to be worldwide war because he gets ticked off about something. We don't know exactly what that is. But the worldwide war. 
worldwide war turns into worldwide famine. Then worldwide famine turns into, into pestilence and people dying from diseases and so on. And then we get to the fifth seal in Revelation 6 and 7, somewhere in there. That's where there's people who are slain. People do come to Christ during this time period on the earth. And when they come to Christ, what happens to them immediately? They're slain. They're gone. And the souls are under the altar saying, God, do you know how bad things are on the earth? In fact, Christ said it's the worst time the earth would ever see. Do you know how bad that is? And Christ said, yes, I do know how bad it is. When and how long before you're going to make it stop? And, and the soul, he says, when I'm done. When's Christ done? When the Father said he's done. When the last person's what, Chuck? Last person's saved, right? He is so merciful, even in the tribulation period. People who wouldn't listen to goodness and love and justice and mercy and all of that from him wouldn't take grace. Man, things are going to get rough on the earth, rough. And maybe, and that's what these folks are going to need. It's going to get so rough that many, it says countless, can't even count how many are going to come to Christ during that time period. But as soon as they come to Christ, they're dead and they're under the altar. And we'll see them a little bit later in chapter 20 also. And so when it's finally done, that's when we have the whole Armageddon thing. We have basically he comes down and, and basically wipes out. Satan decides to put a little army together. After God has shut Satan's light, the, the Antichrist lights out, he shut down his system, both religious Babylon and the economic Babylon that we're living in right now. And, and you go read it, you'll see. And he shuts it all down. And the Antichrist, all of a sudden, because he's empowered by Satan. And what's Satan's number one thing that he does? Lies. He's the deceiver. In spite of God Almighty doing all of that, you know what happens? Satan, he deceives so many people to come and fight against God. How many of y'all think that's a good idea? How many of y'all think it's the most stupid thing you can do? He just turned the lights out on the world. Okay, guys, we're going to show him. Come on. And he gets people to follow him. That's why you got to know the truth. Because he gets you with a lie. And we're good at believing lies. And so, anyways, during this, I remember, we're up in a party. We're up in heaven. But on the earth, this is what's going on. If you haven't given your life to Christ and died, you're in the middle of all of this. And so, so here it is. And, and so, finally... What God does is man, boom, just shuts it all down. And people go to their, the holding tank for hell, if you will. Hades, boom, they're gone. They're gone, they're gone. And we're going to see their eternal abode. We'll see that today. So during that seven-year period, anybody who goes to hell, it's because God has done everything he could possibly do to get their attention and show them they wouldn't accept the love that he showed them. Now he's showing them, I am boss. I am in charge. It's going to be done my way. Do you want to be on my team or not? And they shake their fists at him and say, no, quit messing up my world. They still want to be in charge because of pride. There's no excuse. Boom, it's done. So guess what? So all evil is gone at this point. This is where we pick up here. Then what happens is there's going to be a millennial kingdom. A millennial kingdom is a thousand-year kingdom. This is what the Jews were looking for when Christ came the first time. 
But he wasn't going to do it until he comes the second time. And so that's when that's going to happen. There's going to be a millennial kingdom, a thousand-year reign with, of Christ on a brand new earth. He spends the tribulation. How many of y'all ever bought a piece of property just for the property? Anybody done it and then demolished the house? How many of y'all tried to renovate a house and then finally demolished it? Or how many of y'all renovate a house and wish you would have demolished it? I'm just saying. So you know what the tribulation period is? It's the location. There it is. He wipes the face of it clean. He cleans it all off. And, and, and he destroys this earth. But basically, at this thousand-year reign, he turns it into an Eden-like place. That's what Isaiah, Jeremiah, all the, old, uh, the prophets... Uh, I like what John MacArthur says. He said, half of Christianity is Bible verses taken out of context. <laughs> you got to understand, the New Old Testament spoke so much about the millennial kingdom. There's going to be a thousand-year kingdom. Isaiah said it's when, it, you know what? He said it's going to be so plentiful on this thousand years that you can take your swords and beat them into what? Yeah, beat them into rakes because you're going to be needing to harvest all the fruit, all the produce, all the, man, a child, a lion will lay down with a lamb. A child will lay down at the mouth of an adder's den and not have any adverse effects. That's what we're going to experience for a thousand years. How many of y'all can wait? I, I can't wait, but dude, how many of y'all think that would help you make it through this little time period we're in right now? I mean, looking at y'all, some of y'all ain't got much time anyway, so I'm just saying. <laughs> None of y'all know how long it'll be, right? We all trying to hang on here for so long, man, you know? It's like, this is what, when it all comes down to it, we're going to be in a perfect body, us right here. We're going to be in perfect bodies. How many of y'all ever had one of those? Let me see your hand. So I call you a liar. <laughs> we had, we had, uh, dude, even there, it wasn't perfect, man. Yeah, your body might have, but how you use that body wasn't. <laughs> Otherwise, you'd be wearing, yeah, yeah, diapers, man. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, we never had a perfect body, and we've never been on a perfect planet. Us who were in Florida before Disney saw as close to that as you could imagine, but it is gone. We're literally going to be in a perfect body and a perfect planet for a thousand years. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So that's where we're at. The tribulation period is a time mostly where God is going to bring tribulation on the Jews. They're going to accept a false Messiah. Then he's going to come and rescue them, and they will receive the true Messiah. It's a time where people who wouldn't respond out of love are now going to maybe respond out of fear or out of just flat-out tribulation. Like, I'm tired of being the boss of my life. I want you now. And it's also for judgment for those that never accept anything that God gives them. But at the end of it, he cleans it all up. That's what Armageddon is. And then we start the millennial kingdom. The humans, we're not going to be human. We're going to be in, in glorified bodies. We will be. But the ones that make it through this tribulation period at the end on the righteous side will be human. And only the righteous ones will make it. They begin populating this thousand-year planet, this, this, this millennial kingdom. And we, as you're going to see, we will be reigning. We will be serving. We will be on the clock for Christ in glorified bodies. And that's going to be a cool thing we're going to look at. But that's where this picks up in Revelation 20. It picks up with the beginning of the thousand years. So all of the unrighteous people are gone. But what evil thing is still around, y'all? Who, who is still around at this point? Satan. So look at this. 
Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized, look at this, he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand years. So in case you want to think it's figurative and not literal and all this other stuff and allegorical, no, he says the dragon, the serpent, the devil and Satan, he tells exactly who it is. He binds him for a thousand years. Now, let me ask you a question. Who bound him? Who bound him? God, did God come down and say, oh, oh, oh. Did, did it take God Almighty to come down and take care of Satan? Who did he send? He sent an angel. He's like, Gary, put your wings on, go. Ashley, put your wings on, go. You know, we have this misconception. We got devil chasers everywhere, demon chasers. Oh, I got this demon of of bad kibasa. I got this demon. I'm not making fun of that. What I'm saying is, you know who fights my battles with the demons? Christ does. He's already fought them. I'm jumping on his back, and I'm going to watch him fight. I, I'm not told anywhere in Scripture to speak to Satan. And I challenge people all the time with that. And you come back with me, and you tell me where I'm supposed to speak to Satan. Where Bible says I'm supposed to speak to Satan, I'd like to hear from you in private about that, and we'll talk about it. You got no business talking to him. He's a deceiver. You, how many of y'all love having a conversation with a liar? How many of y'all, somebody calls, and you're like, oh, they're a liar. I, wanna, you, I can't wait for this conversation. How many of y'all even have a relative you might only see on Thanksgiving, and you know they're a big liar? And you're like, oh, God, I don't want to get caught. I don't want to get sucked in. You guys know how easy it is to get sucked into lies and deception from people who are good at it? That he's the master. He's the father of it. You had no business talking to him. Talk to Christ. He said, seek first, seek always, seek only the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else you need will be to you. I want you to see, we have this idea in modern theology often that God and Satan are like equals. <gasps> you know, there's a battle going on between God and Satan. And, and, and they're duking it out all the time. No, Satan is a created being of God Almighty. Same way you're a created being. Yes, he's powerful. He's way more powerful than us, and his demons are too. But, not, but greater is the one that lives in us than the one that lives in the world, amen? Yeah. So, but to compare to God, I want you to understand in Revelation, one of the most encouraging things we've seen in Revelation, and by the way, that's why Revelation was given. Christ, the exalted Christ, not the gospel Christ, that paid for our sins, which was awesome, and did awesome examples and things on this life world. But Revelation introduced us to the almighty Christ who is in heaven right now praying for us. And he's our defense attorney. And he's empowering us and equipping us. That's who we're seeing. And he's the one we're going to spend forever with. And that Christ is revealed to us. And as God reveals things to us about him, we should have confidence. We should be encouraged. We should be full of courage. Because of what we know about God Almighty and Christ right now. So I want you to see they are in no way even close to being equal. Satan doesn't know everything. He can't do anything. In fact, who has he got to get permission from to do anything? God. That's all over Scripture. Again, he can't do everything. He doesn't know everything. And he's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. So when you're like, oh, the devil's attacking me today, well, figuratively, maybe one of his demons is, but I don't think you're important enough for the devil himself to come and attack you personally. Seriously. 
You know what? Most of the time, it's our flesh. Our flesh making the wrong choice, getting sucked into this world system because we bought the lie. And all Satan had to do was create the environment for that lie to propagate, to continue. I just want you to see all God has to do to bind Satan for a thousand years is do Who does he sin? Claudia, who does he sin? Just a what? Not a tricking. An angel. Yeah, he just sends an angel, man. That's all. He sends an angel. So he sees the dragon. The angel did. And at ancient, the ancient serpent is who is the devil and Satan and bound him for a thousand. Do you think Satan went willingly for a thousand years? Do you think he went? Do you think Satan put up a fight? Uh, Chris, do you think Satan put up a fight? He, because he couldn't. Because the angel had a chain. The angel had the keys to the bottom of the The angel basically, no, you're going with me. I have authority from God Almighty, and this is what you're going to do. And he went. You know, and that's what you hear a lot when you see these battles in Revelation. There's no battle. God doesn't have some long, drawn-out battle. God just said, boom, 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 boom. That, that's God Almighty. That's the God we serve. That's the God who we're a child of. That's the God who's saying for us to do this instead of what we want to do or this instead of what the world wants us to do. That's the God. This God, the bigger our God is, I think the littler our problems are. The bigger our God is, man, the, the, the more awesome of a life you have and the easier it is to trust him. So man, he sees the dragon, the ancient servant who's the devil, Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. How many of y'all been around for a thousand years? I ain't going to say who looks like they've been around a thousand years, but I'm just saying, I got my passport photo the other day, or I got my passport back. Yes, I was excited. And I always have had a great passport photo, always, except this time. (laughs) I, I always like, I smile, and it's like, this looks like me. Well, I was at Walgreens, and they, I smiled, and they said, you can't smile, and I go, what? And they took this picture. And I, so when I got it, I'm like, who is this old man? <laughs> Who's this old dude, man? <laughs> For a thousand years, man. That's a long time. He binds Satan. So in the millennial kingdom, Satan will not be able to do anything for a thousand years. He will not be able to deceive, not be able to influence, won't be able to do anything. And will men, human people, without Satan being present, will they still sin? Yes, because they're in the flesh. They still have to make a choice between God and Satan, between God and themselves, which yourself is choosing to follow Satan. Because Satan doesn't care if you worship him. He wants you to worship anything but God. So he seized them for a thousand years. Look at this. And threw him into the pit. This isn't God. This is the angel. Man, it's like, bam. I was just, why would you want to fight Satan when God's got angels that can take care of him like that? You know what? You got bigger things to do. And that's worshiping God Almighty for taking care of all those things for you. Man, he threw him in the pit, shut it, sealed it over him so that he might not look at here's 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 the main reason God puts him away. He could. How many things can y'all accuse Satan of? How many? uh, Sean, could you come up with at least 10 things that you don't like about Satan? Yeah, 
And God could come up with millions, but look at the one thing God chose to reveal as to why he put Satan away for a thousand years. So that he might not, what's the next words? Deceive who? The nations any longer. So if it's not, if it's any longer, what does any longer mean to us? For a long time, they've been being deceived. The nations, the people, that's talking about all the people on the earth. Satan is successful at deceiving people in making them believe they are right in worshiping anything but God. He is the master sausage seller. But when you eat his sausage, dude, it may kill you instantly. Or you know what? I think Satan, he knows how to make sausage that's just going to kill you over a long period of time. Emily, Emily, like hot dogs, right? Are hot dogs good for you? Heck no, dude. I had a, uh, I'm not saying I don't like them, but I'm just saying, man, I had a professor from Milwaukee and he was my, he was actually a vice president at Sunbank back in the 80s and he retired and came to teach us in my accounting degree. And he was telling us one day, he said, yeah, we, uh, I worked in the weenie tunnel at Oscar Mayer. <laughs> and this was back in the 70s he worked in the weenie tunnel. And I'm like, well, tell us what. We're all like, what's the weenie tunnel? He said, well, first of all, we had wheelbarrows and shovels. And I said, were they clean? He's like, oh, yeah, they're, well, yeah. <laughs> and as clean as, you know, a weenie tunnel shovel and a wheelbarrow could be. I said, what'd you do? He said, every bit of meat that they couldn't use for anything else. He said, we would take the shovels, put it in the wheelbarrow, we'd wheel it, and we'd throw it in the weenie tunnel. And it would go in the weenie tunnel, and it would come out as a hot dog. I said, did you always throw, did you have a recipe? Did y'all throw the, like, he said, there was no recipe, dude. We threw whatever they gave us into the weenie tunnel. I said, was it all good? And he said, it all depends what you mean by good. I said, was it all, you know, you know, fresh? That's not going to make you sick? He said, it all depends what you make it mean as fresh. They threw whatever in the weenie tunnel. <laughs> but again, this is not a health food seminar, but, but can, if you sustained yourself off hot dogs, would you be a healthy person? No, you would die. <laughs> I mean, we're all going to die. We're all dying, but, but you, would, you would expedite your trip to heaven, right? So, so again, I'm, uh, I'm not, not a health food exposition, but you know, the point I'm trying to make is that Satan is a master sausage seller. And whether he takes you out and makes your life miserable. Are a lot of people, Emily, how about this? Are a lot of people sick because of the food they eat? Absolutely, because your immune system is in your gut. All right? You just keep up with the cheese whiz, man. You see what happens. But anyways, you need to do a five-week cleanse after eating that stuff. But I'm just saying, so, so again, you live an unhealthy life. So Satan is the master sausage seller. And he's here, what is his purpose? To still kill and destroy you. So does it taste good? Oh, well, if it tastes good, I should probably just do it. <laughs> and I'm guilty. Y'all see this? <laughs> I'm guilty. But, but man, that's what he does to us spiritually. He's the master deceiver of all the things God is excited to take him off the planet for. Is now he will not deceive the nations anymore. Praise God. How many of y'all think the people of this world are deceived? How many of y'all think you're deceived? Yeah, you don't, you don't even know if you're deceived because until you read the truth. That's how you know. When you have, have you ever read the Bible? And all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait a minute. In fact, every time you read it, there should be both encouragement and conviction. 
wow, God, you just opened my eyes. I was deceived. But now I know the truth and practicing the truth has set me free. So they threw the Satan into the pit, shut it, sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. So what's he going to do as soon as thousand years is ended? All right, y'all go back to deceiving the nations. All right. But there's gonna be a thousand year period where he's not going to. After that, he must be released for a little while. So that's the end of a thousand years. He'll be released to, to, to basically deceive the nations again. And, and he'll talk everybody into attacking God again. <laughs> and can you believe people? Uh, there's got to be history of the last time they all tried to attack God. What happened when they all tried to attack God, Kurt? They lost. Can you, would you, can you imagine a world where they already lost doing it and they would try it again? Can you imagine a world where people would be so deceived and be so foolish? Kurt, shake your head. Act like you're alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, so in this, he must be released a little while. Then, oh, here's the good news for us. How many of y'all are believers? You know, you know, you know, you know. This is you. This is your crystal ball. And then I saw thrones. All right? We've already seen this earlier in Revelation. We've gone over it. If you were in our, our Bible study, you know, we got, then I saw thrones and seated. Uh, uh, oh, Trent, I called you Kurt. That's why you did not respond. Come on, you know me well enough. When I'm, I got eye contact, dude, just go for it and say, I am Trent. And it's like, yes, and you're getting senile. All right. <laughs> Kurt, Trent, I got you, man. All right. All right. Yeah, dude, I'm like, all right, let, all right, let me pull that mental wedge. Let's move on. Then I saw the throne. Seated on them were those whom had authority to judge was committed. All right, so if you go back further in Revelation, earlier, in, and by the way, Revelation is not a chronological book. It's not a little novel written by, what's that, James Michener, whoever, or something. It's, it's not written that way. In fact, in chapter 6, he starts introducing you. He gives you a sketch. He tells you, here's the seal judgments, and I already shared those with you. Here's the seals. You know, the, the first one, false peace, false you know, false war, you know, worldwide war, worldwide famine, so on. And, and in the sixth seal, I mean the seventh seal, is found all of the trumpet judgments. And in the seventh trumpet judgment is found all of the vile or bowls of God's wrath judgment. So everything is in the seventh seal. So when you read chapter 6, 7 right in there, and you read, that's just a general synopsis of what it's going to happen during the tribulation period. That, that's what's going to happen. And then as you continue to read, he gives you details. So he gives you a sketch. Now he gives you details in each chapter that fill in the spirit-filled brushstrokes. Oh, so during this tribute, this particular seal, this is going to happen. Oh, when the trumpets open, this. So what you do is you get the sketch and then you take the details and you put them in. You put them in, it's very obvious where they go. We don't know everything about it, but we know enough to know. He fills it in. He takes a, a, a sketch and adds spirit-filled brushstrokes until you got a pretty good picture without having to be a Bible scholar of knowing what's going in. Remember, when they sent this letter out, it was supposed to be written or read to the church, those seven churches, in one setting. Boom, boom, boom. And they understood it completely because it was written in their context and in their language and so on. So again, it's not a chronological boom, boom, boom. What it is is like, oh, here's some details for that time period. Here's some details for this and details here. And he keeps giving details. So again, that's how it's there. So we know, I saw the thrones, that's going to be us. 
we are going to reign with him. Now, what does it mean? He sat, sat them and they were, uh, I saw thrones and seated on them were those whom the authority to judge was committed. Here's what I think of, Skip, when you tell somebody, you have the authority to judge. Rah! Now I get to have it done my way. You know, isn't that what you think of when you think of like the judge? I'm the judge, dude. It's going to be done. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. It's going to be done my way. You got the wrong picture of this because who's in charge? Who are we reigning with? Christ. He's the ultimate judge. He's in charge. Guess what? You are hired by him. And a better word for judge would be to serve. You get to work for Christ. So it's not that you get to go down and throw down the gauntlet. In fact, at Christmas time in Isaiah, I want to say either 6, 9 or 9, 6, in there we quote this verse all the time about, oh, and, and he shall come and he's going to be a wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal father, prince of peace. Y'all know that verse? That's talking about the tribulation period. What it means when it says wonderful counselor. How many of y'all have spent money on counseling and it wasn't worth it? You walked out of couch, you're like, dang, man, I could have, you know, all right, whatever. They got some hours recorded, but I ain't got no solutions and all that. He's going to be a wonderful counselor. And again, I'm not bad because, Andrea, you're a professional counselor, and I'm sure. But, but seriously, who do you have to point them to for them to get answers? Christ, you're not the answer. And if you are, I will not recommend you. But I'm just saying, none of us are the answer. Christ is the answer, and he's now going to be the wonderful counselor, and if he's wonderful, Scott, what's he full of? If you're wonderful, what are you full of? Wonder! So you think about it, it's like, oh, he's wonderful, like a butterfly. No! He's full of wonder. In other words, Tom, when he throws down a cow, here's a situation. Two people have a discrepancy on the planet, and and. God knows about it. You're one of the, you know, glorified body people. Yeah, you might get to surf, you know, all over the place in your glorified body. But, but dude, one thing is he's going to say, hey, hey, Tom, I want you to go solve this dispute. Oh, and by the way, here's the answer. You go down and you tell them, blah, 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 blah. Like Solomon. Remember the two women who had the baby? And everybody goes, whoa, where'd you get that answer from God? So he sends you down to solve the dispute. How would you like that right now? No, dude, I don't want to be a dispute solver because I'm going to get most of it wrong. How would you like it if every time you go to solve a dispute, you're going to solve it perfect and it's going to be a success? Would you like that? Yeah, and, and you just say, well, you know what? I was just with God. Christ just told me to tell you this, and boom, boom. And they're like, whoa. And so the decision was full of wonder, which makes it what? Wonderful. That's what it means, a wonderful counselor. Have you ever had a less than wonderful experience with a counselor? This one is going to be full of wonder. Like, wow, where'd you get that? And we're going to be wonderful counselors for the wonderful counselor. And he's almighty God. So anything he calls you to do, you're going to be a success at doing. Eternal father, you need anything. He creates it. Prince of peace. So what is your job going to be, Sabrina, when you're, running, when you're in your glorified body and God sends you down to a dispute on this earth, which at earth is going to be a regular place going, but Christ will be physically on the throne. What's your job? If he's the Prince of Peace, what's he going to use you to bring? Whoa, man, is it not frustrating when you try to be a peacemaker and it doesn't work? You ever try to be a peacemaker? Yeah, you worked at Amazon for a while, didn't you? Yeah, dude, and you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for delivering me from that, because it was not peaceful, right? So can you imagine 
How many of y'all would absolutely dig working for God where you were guaranteed that everything you did was 100% successful? Yeah. Kurt, would you not like that on your job today? Yeah, isn't it like, oh, dang, I did everything I could do and these people didn't do it. No. Wouldn't it be awesome if everything you did was a success? That's what the millennial, that's what it means when it talks about us being a judge. It's not like, oh, yeah, now you just wait till I'm calling the shots. No, it ain't that. We're going to be serving Almighty God, helping him be, he's going to let us help him be the wonderful counselor and prince of peace. We're going to be working for him. He gives us the answers, gives us the resources. Man, nothing like succeeding. What do you want when you make a surfboard for somebody, man? What do you want to hear? Dude, especially with the top, yeah, I mean, I ripped in it. And you're like, well, yeah, that's yet to be determined. But, but if they really are ripping in it, doesn't that make you happy? Because you have successfully made a board. You know? And everybody likes success. That's what our eternity is going to be. We're going to be ruling with him. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those who had the authority to judge was committed. Who is that on the count of three? Take up your thumbs and say me. One, two, three. That's you. Also, these are the guys from the fifth seal in the book of Revelation, the ones who get killed during the tribulation period because they give their life to Christ, but mostly because these are the guys around chapter 13, 14, and 15 in there that were told by the angel, don't give in to the Antichrist. Don't take the mark of the beast. And so people had a choice to take the mark of the beast or not take the mark of the beast. You can read about it in chapter 13, 14, 15 in there. It's pretty easy. But the bottom line is there was going to be an economic system set up by the beast who, or by the, uh, the Antichrist who ran everything because he had all of the world leaders duped and believing him. That's, that's what's happening there. And, and, and in this, you had to take a mark, some kind of mark. You know, we say it's chips. We say whatever, whatever our most current technology is, we, we kind of give that credit to it. Right now, it would become some kind of chip, some kind of whatever. But the fact is, is if you did not have this mark from the beast, you could not go to the grocery store. If you didn't have the mark, you could not have any money. You could not work. You could not participate in the market system. You could not buy groceries. You couldn't even have other people buy them for you because they would lose it. In other words, without the mark, you cannot participate in the market that the Antichrist has set up, which is worldwide. So now you have a choice. Sabrina, take the mark, or pretty much you and your family are going to starve. And you're going to have everybody in your family who took the mark saying, you idiot, come on, it's just a mark. You can still worship God and take the mark. Just take it, come on. You got, you're an idiot, your family's going to die. We can't give you food, we can't give you rent. You're kicked out of your house because you don't have any money, we can't do anything for you. You just take it so you've got all the peer pressure of the world on you. Even friends who mean well. But yet God has said, don't take the mark. You take the mark, here's the judgment that's going on you. Here's what's going to happen to you and ultimately you're going to end up in hell. You have a choice to make. You think that's an easy choice? But they were only given two choices. Take the mark or not take the mark. Who do you think's version is going to work out better your well-meaning friends who want you to take it or god who says you're going to be ultimately destroyed for taking it yeah you know whose you know whose way is going to work out 
So listen to this. Oh, the throne seat on them who were those who had the authority to judge was committed. And I also saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus, for the word of God. Anybody who followed God, anyone who tried to do the right thing, they were beheaded. They were, they were killed instantly. And look at this. Those who had, and those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Sabrina, come on. This world's messed up. You've got to take the mark. You're going to die. You're going to suffer. It's going to be horrible. And you can look to this with confidence and say, yes, but for a thousand years and then eternity, I'm going to be well off. I will, I will suffer now so I can be rewarded later. And that's always God's plan, isn't it? He grows us through suffering. But the people that, no, no, I got to take care of it now and I'll work out eternity later. I'll work that out later. No, you won't. This is how he says it happens. So later, the ones who didn't take the mark, they're now reigning with us. And we believe that the ones all reigning and serving him are the righteous of all generations. They're the Jews who decided to follow God through faith. They were looking forward. They knew that they couldn't be perfect, which is what God demanded, and they needed a Messiah. And they were looking forward to Him sending a Messiah. They were saved that way. We realize we've blown perfection, and we can't achieve it. And we look back to the fact He did send us a Messiah. And we're counting on Him, the Messiah, to take us. And all of the righteous of all ages, they weren't righteous by their deeds. They were righteous by, because none is righteous. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're righteous because Christ was righteous. He was perfect. And he gave us a deal. Instead, we surrender ourselves to him. We can have his righteousness applied to us. Coming from both testaments, that's who's there reigning with Christ and the tribulation saints. So if you happen to be living long enough, I'm praying all y'all go in the rapture and I'm praying it happens at any time. But if you happen to be back behind and you go through this, go, go read this again. And don't take the mark. I don't care how lucrative it looks. Don't take it. Because in it, you will be worshiping Satan. That's, that's the purpose in it. But the end is bad. So look at this. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. So again, he just kind of, there it is. The dead is talking about spiritually dead. All of those who rejected God's plan, they're put away in a holding tank. Hades is what it's called. They're put away for a thousand years. But it's not over yet. I don't think it's a pleasant place, but it's not the eternal final hell yet. They're put away for a thousand years. Then he goes back and says this, what I just told you about, the ones in heaven who are ruling, they are part of the first resurrection. And he goes on, and look what he says, blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. How many of y'all going to be in the first resurrection? Yeah, blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such the second death, which we'll see at the end of this chapter, has no power at all. You're not even there experiencing it. But they will be priests and gods of Christ, and they will reign with him for a thousand years. There we are serving with him in perfection Man, wouldn't it be great to be perfect on your job? <laughs> How many of y'all ever felt like a failure on your job? Any job, every job, yeah, because we aren't perfect. Man, can you imagine eternal success? 
<laughs> go do this. Oh, yeah. And somehow he pulls it off in you because you have a glorified body and you have all his resources. It's going to be perfection for a thousand years. And then that tra- translates later into eternity. Look at verse 7. And when the thousand years are ended, so there's a thousand years. When it's ended, Satan's released from prison. Uh, does Satan bust out of prison? They make a movie about it. Is Satan escape or something? No, no. Uh, the angel lets him out. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Do you think Satan's a very pleasant person? Only when he wants to be, right? How angry do you think he's going to be when he gets out of prison after being in there against his wishes for a thousand years? How many of y'all like want to like give him a hug, make him feel better? No, dude. I want. I can't imagine a more ticked off Satan. A more te- but but his, he's only released as long as God's going to allow him to be released. And he will come out, oh my goodness, and what do you think he's going to do? What's the D word? Deceive. What's he doing right now? That's why you've got to know the truth. And your feelings and your thoughts that dictate your will is not the truth. You've got to always be challenging with the word of God, which is the only truth we have. And it will come out to deceive the nations that are at the, this time, dude, the last time we see Gog and Magog, it was a little isolated war back in the day. Gog and Magog is kind of like a generic term for like Alamo. It's where you go and you get your tail kicked. (laughs) It's kind of the generic term in this. So he's going to come out and deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth. He's going to take people from all over the world. How many people are going to be deceived by Satan to go fight God? You think a bunch? Yeah, if you don't, wait, wait till this. Gog and Magog, they're, they're going to their Alamo, they're going to their Waterloo to gather them for battle. He's convinced them, let's go fight God who's been in charge for a thousand years. And so, and he's going to be very persuasive. Yeah, you know, I didn't really like that about that. No, I didn't like that. Yeah, this will be better. This will be whatever. They're going to be deceived. And look at this. Their number is like the sand of the sea. Christ is physically going to be here. He's been a wonderful counselor. He's been a prince of peace. But in spite of all the tangible things there, Satan is such a deceiver that he is going to be able to deceive so many people. It's going to be like the sand of the sea. How easy is it for Satan to deceive people? How easy is it for him to deceive you and me? That's why we've got to saturate our minds with the truth, renew our mind with the truth of God. And they marched over. Look at it. They marched. If you were going to kick God's tail, how many of y'all be like... How many of y'all be like, okay, (laughs) let's see what happens. You guys go first, all right? Let's see what happens. Look at it. With boldness and confidence, that's what happens when you're deceived. You're bold and confident to do the wrong thing. Bam, bam, bam. They marched up over the broad plain of the earth. They surrounded the camp of the saints, the ones hanging out with God. And the beloved city, by the way, in the millennial kingdom, Jerusalem is going to be the capital of everything. So when they start talking now about a split, you know, Jerusalem and Jews have no right and blah, blah, blah. Dude, they're so wrong. I, oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's going to be the capital of everything right there. The beloved city. Okay. And then so God saw what happened. It's like, oh, oh, no, we're surrounded. And all these people were on the wall like, what do we do? Should we throw tomatoes? Oh, my goodness. Watch. Is, that, is that what Scripture says? No. Does anybody even freak out? Does anybody in the city do anything? No. I want you to see again in this battle. 
So here they come. They marched up over the broad plain of the earth. They surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But, don't you love God's butts in the Bible? He's got big butts in the Bible. Look at this big butt. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. There's no big battles in Armageddon. It's just like, I mean, in Armageddon. There's one in Armageddon, but there's no big battles in Revelation. It's just God, boom, he takes it out. Boom, takes it out. Here they are. Everybody uh, all over the earth has come to basically swallow up all of God's people, and God just says, fire. That's the same God that has all authority and has called you to make disciples, and he's with you always. What are you afraid of? We're afraid because we don't have a big God. But the more we know God, the more intimate we get with God, the bigger our God is. And the more he can call us to do crazy stuff. And we do, the more we fall in love with him. We do crazy stuff for people we're in love with. Eric and Scott, you, you guys done some crazy stuff for God in the last couple of years? More than you probably ever, yeah. I, I love hearing the testimony, crazy stuff. Okay, well, this doesn't make sense, but this is what we're going to do. And I'm looking at all y'all, because that's the only reason y'all are even at Driftwood, because y'all are just crazy enough to do what God's called you to do. The rest of y'all split and go to other places where you ain't asked to do that. I'm telling you what the Word says, man. They marched up over the broad plain of the earth, surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city, but fire came down, that's my God, and consumed them. If fire doesn't come down and consume, guess what? Maybe God wants me to learn something. He certainly doesn't want me to join them. But the fact is, God's big enough God to take care of anything instantly if he chooses to. And if he doesn't choose to do it, it doesn't need to be done. But man, some of those lessons are painful. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet, the beast was the Antichrist. So the devil's like God, that's what he wants. And, and the beast is the Antichrist and the false prophet's like the fake Holy Spirit. He took care of them before the millennial kingdom, threw them into the fire, lake of fire. Now he throws the devil into the lake of fire. He's, and look at this. They will be tormented. When? Read the rest of that. Day and night, how long? From that point on. So unfortunately, when your friends, different well-meaning people say, well, I'm going to go to hell and be with all my friends and we're going to party. No, dude. That's a lie. Hell is a place where you are tormented day and night forever and ever. We're talking serious. Dude, you picked the wrong sausage. You're going to die. And you're going to be tormented day and night, forever and ever. When Christ is over here saying, dude, eat this sausage, this, this pudding, the proof's in the pudding. Everybody who has it, look, look what happens. Do this. How many of y'all ever see people do the wrong thing and get wrong consequences? Say, plenty of people have died eating, eating Satan's kielbasa, right? But not kielbasa for Christ, dude. There's good stuff that happens there. There's proof. It's been in it to know which one to eat. But pride keeps us from choosing the right one because we want to be the boss. This is how it ends up when you're the boss. Tormented day and night, forever and ever. How many of y'all ever have been with somebody in a car or a closed room or maybe on a trip where you were tormented? <laughs> Anybody ever been in a situation where you're with somebody who's tormented? Some of y'all are like, yeah, me right now. Well, you can leave. No, but, but <laughs> Tormented. You literally, but you know there's an escape for that. Isn't that your hope when you're being tormented by somebody? 
It's like, if, could you imagine riding with me all the way to New York with no stops in a car? <laughs> Why are you laughing, JT? Because <laughs> you can imagine that. You just had dinner with me one night, and you're like, whoo, that guy don't shut up. No, not till he's sleeping. <laughs> then I'll know after that. But, but literally, tormented forever. There's no escape. Forever and ever, and that's what hell is. And hell wasn't created for people. It was created for the devil and his demons. That's not what God's plan is. Then he says, I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it. This great, all of a sudden John looks up and there's this great white throne. A throne is where the king sits. It's a place of judgment. Uh, and he sees the one who's seated on it. So all there is is that. But look at this next part. This is pretty interesting. From his presence, so there's a white throne in him, which is Christ, we know, sitting on it. From his presence, earth and the sky fled away. Some of your versions say heaven. Earth and heaven. So it's talking about the sky. It's talking about the known earth and known sky. What happened to the known earth and known sky right here? Look what it says. It fled away. And there was no place found for them. And in other words, God says, I want all of these peripherals out of here. And it wasn't like he took the old earth and the old sky and placed it over here to get it out of the way from him. No, he destroyed it. And if you want to know more about how he destroys it and actually what happens in that period, go read 2 Peter chapter 3. And he says, because you know that's what's going to happen, don't invest in this place. It would be like investing in sour cream. Why would you not invest in sour cream, Laura? It's going to go bad, right? This world's going to go bad. Don't invest in it. Invest in eternity. And anything you do invest in here, make sure you can use that to invest in eternity. Man, I saw a great white throne and him who seated on it from the presence. The earth and sky fled away. No place for him. They're gone. He destroys. So here it is. All the people who chose to be judged according to their works. All of us who decided, dude, I would fail. I want what Christ did for me applied to my life. You're, out, you're not even here. The second death and second death has nothing to do with you anymore. This is all the people who chose to say, I don't need what Christ did. I don't have time for what Christ did. I'm just not interested in what Christ did. I'm too busy here, too, whatever. Whatever, they chose to say, I'm going to stand before my maker one day. Many don't even believe they're going to stand before their maker. And he says here, they will. I'm going to stand before my maker. And when I stand before my maker, you know what? I'm going to deal with it like I do. Every one of my business decisions, every one of my political decisions, every my, one of my, I'm a, you know what? I'll tell God what's up. You know, me and God, we'll talk it out. Yeah, and, and I, you know what? I know I'm better than Johnny. So if Johnny's in, I should get in. Well, wait a minute. You got the wrong matrix. You don't get in by how good you are. You get in by how good Christ is. That's why you need Christ. But see, you believed all the lies the devil gave you in all of that. So man, here it is, you standing before God Almighty, and that's it. He takes away all the peripherals, so you can't change the subject. None. It's you and him right there, and look at this. And I don't think we're going to get to the new stuff today, but we'll get to this. And I saw the dead. These are the spiritually dead, the ones, again, who chose to be judged by anything other than what Christ did on the cross. Great and small, what does that mean? That means great means you had great political power. You had great economic power. You had great rank. You had great prestige in socioeconomic, the social status. You were up there. 
You, you were the first peak surfer in the 70s at Sebastian Inlet. I'm just saying, you were it by world standards. That's great and small. I was nothing, dude. I lived in the bush somewhere over here. And we already talked about how God reveals himself to everyone. If you pursue that revelation, it can come to salvation. But he says, all of those, no matter who you were, if you were without Christ, you're standing before him. They stood before the throne and the books were opened. Books, how many, is that plural or singular? Plural, and it's important here. Keep that in mind. Then another book was opened, that's singular, which is the book of life. So the book of life, I'm going to tell you from other scripture, and I'm going to show you at the very end of this, the book of life is when you give your life to Christ, if you give your life to Christ, he may know ahead or whatever. I'm just saying, when your name, when you have given your life to Christ, if you've done that, your name will be in that book of life. As opposed, and your name will probably be in the other one too, where the books, look at this. And the dead were judged, the ones who didn't need Christ, the spiritually dead were judged by what was written in the, the what? Books according to what they had done. Hey, Luray, I mean, oh, Luray, that's another lady up there. <laughs> what? Lucinda. Oh, my goodness. I am like, hey, Luray? No, I'm like, does Tom want to be judged by his works or by Craig? How about Lucinda? Not by works, dude. You've seen her mess up before? Woo, you've seen <laughs> You're scared. I'm trying to get you in trouble, man. <laughs> Have you seen her at less than perfection? Not often, but, but again, how many of y'all want to be judged by your works when you stand before God? That's why you have Christ, and Christ is God. God said, I demand perfection. You can't do it, so I am going to come down and take the punishment for all your sins, and I'm going to be a substitute for you. So if you end up in this situation, whose fault is it? It isn't his so he said, another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged by what was written in the books, plural, according to what they had done. So again, you can choose to be judged by what Christ did or judged by what you've done in this. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. The masses, the mass earth just gave up all the spiritually who dead who were in it. And death and Hades gave up the dead who were in it. All the people in the holding tank of hell gave up all, every unrighteous person who never accepted what God either said he was going to do or already said he did, all of those people who chose to be judged by their own works, they were judged. Death and Hades, the sea, the earth, everything gave up. There was no hiding place. And they were judged, each one of them according to what? To what they did. So if you're counting on this, how many times and how many different ways does God have to say it ain't going to work for you? That's why Christ is here. You, man, would you rather have somebody who was perfect say, hey, you want my perfection? I'll just put it right on you. Or are you still going to go through that? Pride will make you still go through that. According to what they had done, look at this, then death and Hades all who were judged by their own works, were thrown into the lake of fire. And what, what's happening to Satan and the beast and all them in the lake of fire? They're being tormented day and night forever and ever. 
I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody that I want to see that happen to. That's why what I believe, I don't want to say I push it hard, but I, I have passion. Because this is more real than anything else that we can deal with in this world. I shared with you already 100 grains of sand. You want to count them, Scott? <laughs> you got to trust me? And again, if that represented 100 years of life, dude, that ain't nothing compared to eternity, which is not even close to being represented by all the rest of the sand on all the beaches in the world. He said, this is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown in the lake of fire. I didn't say this. He said this. You know this. How many of y'all believe this? If you believe it, is this not important to share with people in love? People don't care how much you know, do they know how much you care? And again, you're not responsible for the result. Anything I can talk someone into, you can, the devil can talk them out of. But man, beg God for people's souls and live in such a way to realize what priorities really are important in life. This is important. Whether you have to lose in a business deal, whether you're not the first. How many of y'all race when you go down US 1? You got to win the race. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Tiny, I've, I've, I've raced with you before on the US 1. Didn't even know it until that was your. Oh, that was Tiny I just beat. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I, I, just, I didn't want to let you know, man. Because then. You, you know what I'm saying? All these different races we have in life and all these different things that we make priority and make of importance. Do they really matter in eternity? All the things that we blow our testimony over that's not that important. This is what's important. He was thrown into the lake of fire. So here's the new stuff, super quick. It's only 11.15. <laughs> we'll be out normal time here. But here's what I want you to know. Your current, and it's only a couple of verses. Your current lifestyle reveals who you're trusting. That's what Paul's trying to tell us in this new section. You can tell yourself you're this and that and the other, but Paul says, hey, here, I want you to know. I want you to have a test. In fact, that's what the book of James is. James basically was a pastor of the church in Jerusalem. And James basically wrote all these different things not to tell people, oh, Christians, you should clothe naked people. Oh, you should do this when this happens and that. No, he's, he was the pastor and his church through persecution got spread all over the place. And James said, I want you guys to know, if I don't ever see you again on this planet, I want to see you in heaven. So you put yourself through this test and let me know if you're saved or not. It's a test so you can look at it and say, wow, that's what I would do. That's what I'd do. That's what the book of James is. It's a little test for you to take to say, wow, okay, I'm saved. Or wow, maybe I ought to check into this. And, 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 and this is what he's doing in Romans right now. He's going to say, your current lifestyle will reveal to you who you are trusting. Are you trusting in what Christ did? Or are you trusting in something else? So check this out. He, in Romans chapter 2, verse 6 through 11, he, God, will render to each one according to his works. You're not saved by your works. You're saved by grace through faith, but you're judged by your works. Hey, let me ask you a question real quick. Uh, dude, y'all got, I've done this before here, but y'all got, got electricity in here, right? Is there electric? Which cable's got electric in it? The yellow one. Okay, good, good, good. Y'all just don't want to tell me. You don't want me to mess with it. All right, man. Kurt, come on up and help me, man. Come on, Kurt. Give me a hand. 
Give, give me a hand, Kurt, man. Just super quick. All right. I want you to take this. We know each other well enough, all right? You die, you're going to heaven, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, I want you to bite it, man. Bite all the way down to the electricity. And, and you tell me whether he did or not. Oh, no, no, dude. You're right here. Hey, all right, so, so just to avoid this, all right, I'll hold your hand, man. All right, don't put this in, don't put this in your mouth. But listen, what would happen if he bit down to electricity? Would there be an outward result? You, could you tell if he actually really did it or not? Yeah, because he would have hair like Julie, which is the coolest Tony Alva hair in the world. I've always wanted hair like yours, Julie, and you probably always wanted hair like mine. But anyways, <laughs> that's just life. But literally, if you did, there'd be an outward evidence. Biting into 110 volt, is that what it is, 110? Yeah, uh, 220 should give you a little bit more hairdo, right? But, <laughs> but if nothing happens, did he really bite into it? So biting into little 120 volts or whatever they are, man, is going to give you new hairdo. What do you think biting into the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is going to do? Think he's going to change your life? Yeah, some little kid said once, if he's so big and he lives inside us, shouldn't he stick out? And, and the answer, that's what Paul's saying here, is he should. He will render each one according to their works. Watch this. To those who by patience, you know what this word patience means in the Greek? It means enduring, joyfully under a heavy load that's what that word means enduring joyfully under a heavy load hey trent who puts that heavy oh there he goes all right let's see again kurt oh he's looking around trent who gives you the heavy load christ gives you the heavy load yeah god gives you the heavy load because it's for your good and for his glory it's going to build strength in you and when you can handle it joyfully who gives you the joy to be able to handle the heavy load god does and, and, and when you handle that heavy load joyfully, man, he gets the glory in all of that. And so again, patiently, if, you're live, if your lifestyle is, okay, well, this is what God has done. Cool. We just had another failed business deal. Awesome. <laughs> Emily and them, they just decided that all their roommates decided that, huh? Oh, oh don't say it on here. Your landlord might be looking. But anyways, they're praying about her... her just made, God just put a bunch of circumstances together for her to actually give her the answer to her prayer. But I will say it involved flooded floors and mold, all, all kinds of junk, right? I'm just saying whatever happens in your life, you look at it from God's perspective. What a cool thing when God does bad things to give you answers to your question. But they're not bad things. They're all for him. He picks it out. It's all for you. His glory and for you to become more like him. So to those who by patience in well-doing, if you're well-doing, what are you doing? Well, all right. You're like well-doing, you're trying to, no, dude, you're just doing well. You're doing the right thing. Patiently, you're enduring joyfully under a heavy load God has given you. And you're seeking glory. You're seeking to bring God glory. That's a difference between lost people and saved people. The difference, yes, one has Christ, one doesn't, but it's motivation. Uh, anybody can do good works. You can't tell always by the works, but, but the one who is saved is now doing it. When you got saved, you're doing it for his glory. You're not doing it for some other reason. In fact, Paul says in Corinthians, he says, here's what's going to happen for you believers. 
Here's your judgment. It's the Bama seat of Christ. He's going to back up the heavenly dump truck. He's going to dump out all of your works right there. Tom, all your works are dumped out right there. Giant pile of everything you've done. He said, some of your works are wood, hay, and stubble, and some of them are gold, silver, and precious jewel. Oh, man. Y'all ever had a real blowtorch, man? A cool one? Here it is. They open up the heavenly blowtorch. And they put all your works to the test. The ones that are wood, hay, and stubble, what happened to those? They're gone. They may have been good works. You bought everybody donuts. Well, <laughs> there could have been great works. You know? You gave everybody free Cuban sandwiches at, at uh, the Beanmobile. I, I'm not saying, I'm saying... Uh, but it all depends of what your motivation was. If you did it just simply to bring more people in, then dude, you got your reward. They came in, or maybe they didn't because they didn't like your sandwich. But you would like his sandwiches. But yeah, but, but they're gone if they're not done for the motivation of glorifying God. The things you've done with the motivation of glorifying God, that's gold, silver, and precious jewels. What happens to that when you put the fire to it? What happens to gold when you put fire to it, JJ? It purifies it. Precious jewels. What happens to that when you put the fire to it? Does it destroy it? No, it is purified. It's left there. And whatever we have left, man, I think we worship Christ for it. And I don't have time to go into all of that. Maybe hit one of our Bible studies, we will, or you ask me, we can talk more about it. But he said, to those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immorality. In other words, you're living for Christ. He'll give eternal life. So if you could take that verse and apply it to your life, it doesn't mean you don't do bad things. It doesn't mean you don't mess up, everyone. But honestly, what is your motivation like? Is your motivation to glorify God? Is your mo uh, Scott, do, is there any, like you have a relationship with your wife, right? Uh, okay, good. You got a relationship. I'm just going to check that out first. But, and in that relationship, do you seek to please, do you love her? Okay, good, because if not, we can talk later. But, I'm just, but you, you love your wife. You're taking her out this week, right? And, and, and do you, so because you love her, do you seek to please her? Do you, do you kind of, is she a priority in your life? In fact, your priority is God should be your first, your family second, your job third. And we get that mixed up a little bit, but, but and I'm not saying you do, but I'm just saying because you love her, you, you try to show her you love. You, you do things for her. Would you purposely go out and do something that she would not approve of? <laughs> what, what if you what if you just went out and brought in a side chick one day no <laughs> not only would you die but i'm just saying but again it's like no why would i do this that would be totally opposite of what my i want to please my wife it's the same in a relationship with god if you truly have a relationship and he's your priority which he's supposed to be according to scripture then what you do is you do it to please him so to those who by patience in well-doing seek the glory and honor and immorality, he will give eternal life. You can tell if that's your main desire in life is to live for God. What did Paul say? For me to live is what? Huh? Christ. But to die is what? Gain. Better. Because then I got him with nothing in the way. That's all Paul lived for. That's what he's talking about. If that's you, if that's your main motivation... You're going to heaven when you die. You've got salvation. He says, you can judge yourself because, again, you're not saved by your works, but like James said, your works are evidence that you're saved. 
if we have this electric cord plugged in and, and, it's, and the TV's not working, you know, it's like there's a good chance there's, there's no electricity coming through there. It's not really plugged in. If you're plugged in, there's going to be results. You can't live, have, be plugged into Christ without results. He goes on, but for those who are self-seeking, you see the big but there? But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, well, if you're not obeying the truth, he says you're going to be obeying unrighteousness, which is the opposite of what God wants you to do. He said, then there'll be wrath and fury. So you got a choice. You can look. Am I, look, am I pleased? Am, is my goal in life to please God or is my goal self-seeking? And that's something only you can check out. That's something only you can do. I can't tell by your actions and stuff. People have put on religion for so long and all of that. God knows your heart. This is what, Jay, what Paul is saying in, in this. Is he saying, In Romans, he's saying, you've got to check your heart. Is your heart for you or is it for God? Those who are self-seeking. What is self-seeking? If you're self-seeking, who are you seeking, Laura? Yourself. <laughs> Everything ultimately boils down to you instead of boils down to God. And he says there'll be wrath and fury. There'll be no tribulation. There will be tribulation, distress in every human being who does evil. And again, that word evil is not talking about actions. It's actually talking about motivation, the wrong motivation. And the only right motivation for a believer is to glorify God. So again, I'm not saying we don't do things with the wrong motivation, but if your motivation is self-seeking, you can expect tribulation and distress. To the Jew first and to the Greek, doesn't matter who you are, what class you are, you saw that in Revelation. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. And you're only doing good because God wants you to do good. So again, you can do good without God, but if you really have God, there's going to be good. There's going to be fruit. And again, he says, the Jew first and also to the Greek. God shows no partiality. Well, you don't know who my mom was. <laughs> God will have to answer to my mom <laughs> or my grandma or somebody. No, no partiality. Well, you don't know. We, we had a special deal, me. God, no. God has the deal. So here's what we've got to say on this. You're either trusting your eternity to what you have done or what Christ has done. That's the, what you got to figure out. That's what you got to figure out for yourself. I can't even tell you. I can, I can figure it out for me. But you're either trusting one or the other. He tells us the proof is in the pudding. Your current lifestyle reveals who you're trusting. And if you happen to be trusting Christ, kielbasa for Christ, bro. <laughs> Dude, man, some nice kielbasa and sauerkraut and mashed potatoes. You eat that stuff, man? Pickled pig's feet, man, and oh, dude, sucking that gelatinous, you know, uh, cartilage out from between the bone. Oh, my God. I'm like salivating like Pavlov's dog right now. But, dude, that's living for Christ. But over here, when you choose to live for yourself, you got a rotten kielbasa maker. You may not get sick now, but in the end, you will be sick. The proof's in the sausage. <laughs> the proof's in what is going to be a result. And maybe God's already proven it to you. Maybe he's proven it through someone else's lifestyle, like I had in the funeral yesterday. But the bottom line is you've got to figure out which one you're going to. And I think that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us and Father, I pray that if there is anyone here um, 
especially someone who thinks that they're trusting Christ, but they really th- find out because your Holy Spirit reveals to them that they're trusting themselves or something else. Father, I pray they would swallow their pride and they would surrender everything they know about themselves and everything they know about you. Father, I pray if there's somebody here who really um, your Holy Spirit and your word is spoken to, and they need to get saved for the first time, Father, I pray that they would swallow their pride and quit eating the bad sausage that's going to lead them to where Revelation 20 told us. But instead, Father, they would come to Christ and experience the goodness that you have. They would look forward to the goodness of that millennial kingdom and an eternity in heaven with you. Father, if they're afraid because they don't know what's next, take away that fear. Just give them all the faith they need to surrender themselves to you once and for all. None of us know what's next, but we know the one that's in charge. And we love him, and we know that he loves us. Father, um, just pray you would reveal to us who it is we're trusting and how important that is. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name, amen.